Welcome to another episode of Mormon Discussion Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Real. Grateful to be with you today. We are in another installment of our series with Chris Jensen. This is Obscure Mormon Doctrine. The goal here is to, you know, this is broken out into, um, you know, afterlife, Adam. We, we did the first episode on Adam. Then it was the afterlife, America, American Indians, which we'll do today. Angels, animals, Bible, blood atonement body, children, Christ, word of wisdom, earth and creation, garden of Eden, Holy Ghost, Israel, Jews and Gentiles, Jaredites and Mulekites, Joseph Smith, Kolob in the universe, millennium, mother in heaven, nature of God, Noah in the flood, plan of salvation, polygamy, pre-existence, priesthood, race, salvation for, of the dead, Satan, soul, spirit, spirit world, temples, lost 10 tribes, gathering of Israel, Translated Beings in Zion. Our goal of this uh, series is to look at these specific topics in Mormonism, see what Mormonism has said about these things, and then um, be able to talk about kind of in context all the things that Mormonism has said on these issues that are uh, specific and and also don't quite mash up, mesh up with uh, rational thinking. So our goal is to have a conversation about them and to ask ourselves, just to be honest and go, look, the things that we're saying, they, they, we believed in them at one time. And for those who are listening, who are believers, you know, these are the things that Mormon theology, Mormon history, uh, Mormon doctrine imposes on some degree is part of our theology. It's true. And when it's juxtaposed against science and data, historical context, what we find is that we make a lot of claims that seem irrational. And um, often, believers, what you'll do is you'll try to make room for future evidence to come out. Like, what if? Maybe, if you have faith, we'll figure it out in the afterlife. Like, there's all these kinds of answers to be able to kick the can down the street and not have to worry about it right now. But the way rational thinking works is that if we were to take uh, a main proposition, the church is true. And then we break that out into a hundred different issues. And in every one of those hundred different issues, there are 20 problems each, 10 problems each, five problems each that are irrational. Like, like the faithful perspective doesn't really add up. What you have to do is look at that collective problem and go, how irrational is my proposition that the church is true? And, and I know like we Mormons, we say like the Holy Ghost um, is sufficient to tell me the truth of this. But as we'll get to the Holy Ghost later, prophets, seers, and revelators, along with the members who uh, lived at that time, have believed, because of the Spirit, lots of things that the church in the modern moment has disavowed and distanced itself from. Uh, I'll show you one. This was um, uh, last week's episode, uh, not last week, but this last episode I did, which was actually this morning. Um, we talked about the Garden of Eden, for instance, because we were talking about America. And we know that as Mormons, we were taught that the Garden of Eden was in Missouri that it was right next to Adam Ande Amen, um, and 
that Adam Andeaman, you know, we have the specific location that Joseph Smith is named. But the church today wants to uh, avoid some of that. So we're going to increase this a little bit. Do Latter-day Saints believe in the Garden of Eden is in Missouri? This is the church newsroom. Now, what you'll see here in this answer is they don't want to say no, and they sure as hell don't want to say yes. So what they do here and what they do in lots of places is begin to obfuscate the issue. They begin to deflect and distance themselves away from the answer so that a decade or two or three from now, we can just clearly say, no, we don't believe that. That was just the early church members just guessing at things. Uh, but the problem is we have Joseph Smith on the record. We have Brigham Young on the record. So notice here, here's what it is. Church newsroom. Uh, do Latter-day Saints believe the Garden of Eden is in Missouri? We do not know exactly where the original site of the Garden of Eden is. While not an important or foundational doctrine, Joseph Smith established a settlement in Davies County, Missouri, and taught that the Garden of Eden was somewhere in that area. Like knowing the precise number of animals on Noah's Ark, knowing the precise location of the Garden of Eden is far less important to one's salvation than believing in the atonement of Jesus Christ. Again, notice the obfuscation. Notice that happening. And so with that, we'll jump into uh, uh, today's conversation, and it is Chapter 8, The American Indians, Lamanites. Um, I don't like the term American Indians. I think they prefer uh, Native uh, Americans and, or Indigenous people. Um, I, I think those terms are more politically correct and uh, honor the fact that they were here first. Uh, in this section here, they start off with Lamanites. It says a running storyline in the Book of Mormon is the battle between two tribes or nations originating from the man named Lehi. The Nephites and the Lamanites, by the end of the book, the Nephites had been virtually wiped out by the Lamanites. Much of the ancestry of modern-day American Indians comes from the Lamanite nation, mixed with those parts of the Nephite nation they did not destroy. The American Indians are repeatedly called Lamanites in Revelations to Joseph Smith. Uh, Doctrine and Covenants section 28, 8 through 9, uh, verse 14, section 30, verse 6, section 32, verse 2, section 49, verse 24, and section 54, verse 8. So let me start here by saying that when uh, when Lehi's family, Nephi, Sam, Laman, Lemuel, when they arrive in America, the Book of Mormon tells us that the Americas are empty, that they've been hidden away so that, um, so that the uh, the continents would be empty and so that it would be a land of promise that would be preserved and protected so that the Nephites and Lamanites could be there and also that the future America would be a, a place where uh, freedom would prevail and liberty would prevail so that the gospel could be restored. Um, he, this author, Chris Jensen, points out that much of the ancestry of the modern-day American Indian comes from the Lamanite nation, mixed with those parts of the Nephite nation they did not destroy. And I just want to say that he will, he will contradict himself later on in the book. We'll point that out. 
but we should start off immediately tell, talking about how the church acknowledges that what Chris just said isn't true any longer. Now, the church used to believe that. The church used to believe that the uh, Native Americans were the descendants of the Lamanites, and um, and we'll see some of that here in a moment. But the first thing I want to point to is the gospel topic essay on Book of Mormon and DNA studies. Um, this is on the church's website. Uh, you can just go into Google and type in gospel topic essay, Book of Mormon, DNA, and it will come up. It'll be the top result. The Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, affirms the Book of Mormon is a volume of sacred scripture comparable to the Bible. It contains a record of God's dealings with three groups of people who migrated from the Near East or West Asia to the Americas hundreds of years ago before the arrival of Europeans. Let me just note first and foremost, there is zero evidence on North, Central, or South America that can be directly connected to the narrative of the Book of Mormon. Now, in lots of other religious narratives, there are geographies presented, there are uh, historical facts imposed, at least alleged facts imposed. And um, while I deeply believe that all religious narratives are myths, at least in terms of other religious narratives outside the Book of Mormon that claim to be dealing with real places, often we find plenty of evidence for, for the Old Testament, New Testament, for instance. There is tons of evidence that connects at least certain locations with the uh, imposed narrative of those texts as those narratives talk about those locations. The Book of Mormon doesn't work that way. There isn't a single uh, piece of archeology, span of geography, of um, other kinds of claims that the Book of Mormon makes that are unique that Joseph Smith wouldn't have known and that turn out to be connected to uh, the Book of Mormon. Apologists will, I'll just grant, apologists will take one, which is this place over in the uh, in the other side of the world, um, Nahum, in the Book of Mormon mentioned, there is a place in the old world that has three consonants uh, from Nahum, N-H-M, and apologists draw some correlations there. It's fairly weak in light of all the contradictions and all the problems but I want to note, in North, Central, South America, I'm not aware of any single, even uh, weak, direct correlation um, to Nephites or Lamanites without really having to stretch things. Uh, so just to note that, um, as we read more of this, this article, although the primary purpose of the Book of Mormon is more spiritual than historical, some have wondered whether the migrations it describes are compatible with scientific studies of ancient America. Please recognize that the it would have been ideal if the church were true and if things worked out in the church's favor, it would have been beautiful to have gone to the Native Americans, the various tribes of the indigenous people, did DNA samples and found that at least in some, if not all of them, that there was a, uh, a certain strength of their DNA being connected to uh, the DNA of Jewish people, the DNA of Israelite people. Uh, 
And that's not what happened. Um, and we'll get that here. The um, Let's see here. Some have contended. You'll see this section right here. Some have contended that the migrations mentioned in the Book of Mormon did not occur because the majority of DNA identified to date in modern native peoples most closely resembles that of Eastern Asian populations. What I find unique about the church is it's always carefully wording everything. When it says the majority, what it means is about 99% of Native American DNA is um, when we account for, by the way, if any of those people have married outside of Native American uh, ancestry or, or heritage, um, when Native Americans have their DNA tested, and they haven't married, you know, they, their parents haven't married, their great-grandparents, whatever, haven't married outside of their heritage. We find that 99% of their DNA matches uh, Asian DNA. And it that backs up the scientific uh, theory that already started off by saying that uh, people from Asia came over the, the Asian land bridge. Uh, we'll get to some of that here in a moment came over the land bridge and made up the Native American population. Also notice, by the way, that Native Americans have a bit of a similar look uh, to Asians, um, both in skin color, which will play out in this chapter as well, also with facial structures. Um, so when they say the majority, because the majority of DNA most closely resembles that of uh, Eastern Asian populations. Um, I wish they would say how far of a majority it is because it is very far. The other thing is it's a majority. So there is other elements in their DNA. When we look at those, it almost never is anything connected to what we know about Jewish or Israelite DNA. Though there is a very, very small minute that is the trouble is that the geneticists who are experts in this field impose that that DNA could not have entered uh, the Native American genome until a different time period than what would be needed for Jaredites or Nephites slash Lamanites to have had that happen. So notice, by the way, if we had done the DNA test, and if Native Americans had come back with Jewish slash Israelite DNA, what would the church have done with that? Would the church be as hesitant to say it, this doesn't mean anything, there's lots of explanations for this? No, they would have jumped on this as an evidence that the church is true. But that's not what happened. It's Asian DNA. So here's what they do. Basic principles of population genetics suggest the need for a more careful approach to the data. The conclusions of genetics, like those of any science, are tentative, and much work remains to be done to fully understand the origins of the native populations of the Americas. Nothing is known about the DNA of Book of Mormon peoples. Now, on this level, they're right. We don't know what Lehi's DNA was exactly because we don't have any record of it. But we know that he was... Uh, um, Jewish. We know he was an Israelite. We know that that he's part of that culture and people. Um, we know that he's you know married to Sariah and they have these kids. And our best 
educated guest, again, if we're going to work with the most rational conclusion, our best educated guess would be that if Native Americans were the uh, descendants of uh, Lehi, Nephi, Sam, Laman, Lemuel, Sariah, um, what we would expect to find is that that DNA has uh, significant similarities to the DNA of people who are Jewish over in Israel, uh, to the Israelite you know, population, essentially, even if it was one off, like, oh, like that's Palestinian DNA or that, like that would at least make sense. What we find is it's Asian DNA. And that doesn't make sense based on the Book of Mormon story. The, the other problem we have immediately is this argument we touched on in the last episode, which is that this these two continents of North and South America were to be hidden away, uh, uninhabited. Uh, the Book of Mormon tells us this, that, that these folks came here to this land of promise and it had been preserved for them. But very quickly, whoever writes the story of the Book of Mormon writes in significant population growth that cannot be explained um, if Nephi, Laman, Lemuel, and you know their families are the only people here. So what apologists have done is come in and said, hey, there just must have been other people here, and you know these guys just didn't really mention it. Well, that also doesn't make much sense, and so you have to take this extra leap and you have to say, like, look, it's not the most standard reading of the text. It it kind of feels a little obscured, but but it must be that there were already people here. And that also doesn't make rational sense when we read the Book of Mormon on its face value and then juxtapose that with what it imposes in terms of numbers it becomes deeply problematic to think that, you know, at the Jaredite battles or at the Nephite Lamanite battles at the end of the Book of Mormon, that these populations make any sense if the Nephites and Lamanites are the only people there. If they're not the only people there, then we have to ask ourselves, why does the Book of Mormon not make that clear? And any answer you give is to kind of stretch things in order to make it work. Um, so he, so the church is right. Nothing is, I shouldn't say nothing, but in some ways they're right. Nothing is known about the DNA of Book of Mormon people. And even if their genetic profile were known, there are sound scientific reasons that it might remain undetected. In other words, let's create plausible deniability. Let's make it that the, the test is done it doesn't match what we had hoped we would find. So let's come up with plausible deniability for lots of ways in which we should no longer expect this data to look like what we originally expected it to look like. Um, and that it might remain undetected for these same reasons, arguments that some defenders of the Book of Mormon make based on DNA studies are also speculative. Again, your best bet would be to sit down with a geneticist, not necessarily one inside the church, because I'm I'm suggesting that you get the greater scientific community and you get the collective experts in the field, their opinion. And what you find when you do that is that nobody's taking the side of the church. 
Nobody. The only people taking the side of the church are geneticists inside the church. Every other scientist outside the church is going like, guys, this doesn't, this doesn't add up. This, these are people from Asia who came here and inhabited this area. They were here for a long, long time. So there certainly is uh, differences between Native Americans and Asian people. But, but the best explanation for the data set that we have is that the indigenous people, the Native Americans, the um, uh, the uh, Indians, uh, were from Asia, and they've inhabited this entire uh, spot of land. Um, in short, DNA studies cannot be used decisively to either affirm or reject the historical authenticity of the Book of Mormon. If the DNA test had come back and Native Americans were shown to have strong amounts of what we would call Israelite or Jewish DNA. Do you think that sentence would exist? No, it only exists to obfuscate the issue, to muddy the waters. So they're right. They're, they, if you go listen to uh, Mormon geneticists, they will offer plausible deniability kind of answers that will explain why we're not finding what we think we should find. And there is a degree of truth to it. It's just that those views require more conjecture and more allowances. And you're going to find that that happens over and over and over again. More uh, conjecture and more allowances. Um, they talk about the ancestors of the American Indian. The evidence assembled to date suggests that the majority of Native Americans carry largely Asian DNA. And again, they would want to point out, if you go look at the footnotes and chase everything down, they'll put out that there are exceptions to the rule. There are exceptions to the data that's being found. But again, they don't go the next step further and inform you that the best experts in the field on this um, have their uh, scientific processes that help them to arrive at the conclusion that any other DNA is not entering the genome, certainly not Israelite and Jewish DNA, entering the genome uh, at, at the right time period. And so that is the that is the conclusion of the best of experts in the field that deal with this stuff of where Native American DNA come from, comes from. Uh, scientists theorize that in an era that predated the Book of Mormon accounts, a relatively small group of people migrated Northeast Asia to the Americas by, a way, by way of a land bridge that connected Siberia to Alaska. These people scientists say, spread rapidly to fill North and South America and were likely the primary ancestors of modern American Indians. The Book of Mormon provides little direct information about cultural contact between the peoples it describes and others who may have lived nearby. The Book of Mormon, if you go read it again, the Book of Mormon treats the narrative as if the continents are empty when these guys get here. You don't get any indication that there is already an existing population. That is only an after-the-fact inference by apologists and the church in order to explain the data that we shouldn't be finding if the Book of Mormon is true. So again, you recognize the amount of conjecture and allowances you have to place in 
in order for all this to work out. Um, Let's see here. Building, let's see, I might as well read this. The Book of Mormon provides little direct information. We already said that. Consequently, most early Latter-day Saints assumed that Near Easterners or West Asians like Jared, Lehi, Mulek, and their companions were the first or largest or even the only groups to settle the Americas. Um, consequently, most early Latter-day Saints assumed that Near Easterners or West Asians like Jared, Lehi, Mulek, and their companions were the first or the largest or even the only groups to settle the Americas. Building upon this assumption, critics insist that the Book of Mormon does not allow for the... I don't like that sentence, by the way, and I'm not really understanding it. Um, but we can move forward. Uh, building upon this assumption, critics insist that the Book of Mormon does not allow for the presence of other large populations in the Americas and that therefore... Near Eastern DNA should be easily identifiable among modern native groups. The Book of Mormon itself, however, does not claim that the people it described were either predominant or the exclusive inhabitants of the lands they occupied. Uh, in fact, cultural and demographic clues in its text hint at the presence of other groups. Again, go read that. It, it really is mental gymnastics. Because I think, again, if you start reading the Book of Mormon, when the Jaredites get here and when the Nephites and Lamanites get here, I think you'll agree with me that the narrative of the Book of Mormon uh, seems to suggest strongly that the area was empty and set aside as a land of promise, preserved for these folks to come and live, um, and then at some future point for the restoration to occur. Um, President Anthony W. Ivins of the First Presidency concluded back in 1929 that we must be careful in the conclusions that we reach. The Book of Mormon does not tell us there was no one here before them. The people it describes, it does not tell us the pe that people did not come after. You're right, it doesn't. Um, what would be the most rational reason for why it doesn't tell us about any other people? Because there weren't any other people. The 2006 update to the introduction of the Book of Mormon reflects this understanding by stating that the Book of Mormon peoples were among the ancestors of the American Indians. We can show you this graphic here. Uh, let's put it up. The original Book of Mormon introduction, uh, all were destroyed except the Lamanites, and they are the principal ancestors of the American Indian. That's what we used to think. It wasn't until 2006 after... Uh, the debate about DNA began to happen and DNA results were coming back that the church completely left that hill. That was no longer a hill they were going to die on. And so they edited the Book of Mormon um, introduction to read all were destroyed except the Lamanites and they are among the ancestors of the American Indians. The problem is once you say among and you do a DNA and you can't find it, and the little bit you do find isn't from the right time period, you no longer know who a Native American is. You no longer know, I should say that, you no longer know who a Lamanite is. So Mormonism has made a living off lots of theological propositions. One of those 
is um, is that the Book of Mormon is written to the Lamanites. If we don't know who the Lamanites are, how do we give them the Book of Mormon? How do we know we got them the Book of Mormon? We can't. Um, number two is that we've labeled people all across uh, the islands, Mexico, South America, Central America, Hawaii, all the Polynesian cultures. We've said essentially anybody on this half of the globe who has tan skin, you're a Lamanite. And we have deeply corrupted their those folks' real heritage. And anybody who's come into the church, we have hijacked their real heritage. And we have said, I know you think you're a Mexican, but you're not. You're a Lamanite. And those things have real um, consequences. When you look at how uh, Mormonism has handled people on this side of the globe with, with tan skin, there have been deep atrocities that have occurred, not the least of which is the uh, Indian placement program. Um, but if you don't know who the Lamanites are, because the, the Native Americans don't have Israelite DNA, so you can't be sure of any person standing in front of you is a Lamanite. Like, okay, even if you go like, maybe the Lamanites were 3% of the people and most of that DNA signature of them is gone. We don't really have a way to pinpoint any particular Native American as a Lamanite. So now you have to get in your head and go, wherever the Lamanites were and whichever Native Americans they were blending with that were from Asia, we don't know which lines continued, which lines didn't which Native Americans are mixed in with that small subgroup, which ones aren't. So we don't know who is a Lamanite and who's not. In the meantime, we've written this entire book, the Book of Mormon, while all of us uh, uh, white people are generally speaking, enjoying the Book of Mormon and, and membership in the church. The reality is the book was written for the Lamanites. It was written to bring them back together to a belief in their father in heaven and in the savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, it was written to bring them to the gospel. It was written to bring them to salvation. The book was written for them. The book itself tells us that. We also have things where we have promised through revelation that the Lamanites will uh, reacquire the uh Americas, that this land will be given back to them. But if we don't know who Lamanites are, how can we give the land back to them? So there are lots of theological conundrums with, with this belief. And it's so problematic because the church knows it, it can't hold this argument to the point where in 2006, it changed the introduction of the Book of Mormon to leave behind its old theological proposition. So to note that as well, um, Brigham Young and other 19th century church leaders also generally equated Lamanites with the Native Americans. Uh, also, the late Spencer W. Kimball took great interest in them. Kimball stated, quote, with pride, I tell those who come to my office that a Lamanite is a descendant of one Lehi who left Jerusalem 600 years before Christ and with his family crossed the mighty deep and landed in America. In Lehi, his family 
became the ancestors of all the Indian and Mestizo tribes in North and South and Central America. You see, that's a prophet, seer, and revelator hijacking the cultural heritage of multiple peoples and imposing that there are a certain thing that one single minority religious myth suggests, but for which no evidence backs up. That's where the harm comes in, to the point where here, we'll show you a few other graphics. Let me uh, put this back up on the screen, and we'll just go through a few of these. Um, we'll get to this one here in a moment. Here's President Kimball, 1967. They are not Orientals. They are from the Near East. It is not impossible that there could have seeped across the Bering Strait a little Oriental blood as claimed by some people. But basically, these Lamanites, including the Indian, are the descendants of Le Lehi who left Jerusalem 600 years B.C. You see, in light of the church's own gospel topic essay, this isn't true. And it's part of the problem we get into in every one of these conversations is how far should we trust prophets, seers, and revelators? Has President Kimball shown the actual ability to discern the mind and will of God? And if you're going to reply with the 1978 revelation, then again, you don't understand the history. The reality is President Kimball was wrong here. He, he made a mistake. And fallibility is, is an easy excuse to give. Well, sometimes these guys are flawed. Sometimes these guys make mistakes. But the reality is some of these mistakes are very serious and they have lots of repercussions and we need to walk through all of that. Book of Mormon DNA LDS essay. Written in 2014, the evidence assembled to date suggests that the majority of Native Americans carry largely, excuse me, Asian DNA. All right, let's go through a couple others. Um, President Kimball was to the point where he believed that uh, Native Americans who were in the church, that their skin was getting lighter. This is October General Conference, 1960. The little member girl, 16, sitting between the dark father and mother, and it was evident she was several shades lighter than her parents. These young members of the church are changing to whiteness and delightsomeness. He believes the Book of Mormon when it says on its face value, right, on its face, that those who join the church, who enjoy the gospel, who, who are righteous, their skin will lighten up. And President Kimball thought he saw that. He was a big proponent of working with uh, the indigenous people because he believed they were Lamanites. And when the church participated in the Indian placement program, where they would take Native Americans out of their own homes and place them in the homes of white church members, they would take pictures of these Native Americans as they were being placed in the home. And then years later, when they had essentially graduated, to compare color, skin color, to see if they had become any lighter. And the reality is they hadn't. President Kimball saw what he wanted to see, but there isn't any truth to the fact that the Native Americans got lighter, the ones that joined the church, versus the ones that didn't. That, that's just not real. In science, in historical context, and data imposes all of this, 
And, and yet, um, when we rely on faith alone, when we rely on the Holy Spirit alone, we end up with prophet seers and revelators and members of the church uh, believing in, frankly, false things. Uh, let's see if we got any others here. The Book of Mormon tells us, and he, the Indian, has a dark skin, but he has a promise there that through faithfulness that all again become white and delightsome people. He believed in that thoroughly. Um, so anyway, there's, there's that. All right, we'll go back to uh, talking here about the book. Uh, missionary work. Uh, Chris Jensen says in 1828, while translating the Book of Mormon, Joseph Smith revealed the following about the book's role in bringing the gospel of Christ to the Lamanites. He said, quote, nevertheless, my work shall go forth for inasmuch as the knowledge of the Savior has come into the world through the testimony of the Jews, even so shall the knowledge of the Savior come unto my people and the Nephites and Lamanites through the testimony of their fathers. And this testimony shall come to the knowledge of the Lamanites. And for this very purpose are these plates preserved, which contain these records, that the promises of the Lord might be fulfilled, which he made to his people, and that the Lamanites might come to the knowledge of their fathers, and that they might know the promises of the Lord, and that they might believe the gospel. Number one, we don't know who a Lamanite is. So this revelation makes no sense. Number two, they aren't joining the church, and Chris Jensen will note that here shortly. Native Americans aren't joining the church in anything that could be even called significant numbers. It is the smallest minority of Native Americans who join. These people aren't being brought to a remembrance of their ancestors. And we don't even know who the Lamanites are anymore. You have to use common sense. Again, when I joined the church at 17, I wanted it to be true so badly. I joined. I was both feet in. By the time I'm 29, I'm serving as a local bishop of my ward. I, I want nothing more than the church to be true. But when you set your feelings aside in your need to have certain beliefs be true, and you look at the data as objectively as you can, what you're going to run into in Mormonism is problem after problem, after problem. Next, he says, to teach Native Americans of the Book of Mormon heritage just a few months after the LDS Church was established, April 1830, missionaries were called to preach to the American Indians living on the frontier west of the Missouri River. Question is, how well did that go? Same year, Joseph Smith received a following revelation for Oliver Cowdery. Quote, this is Joseph Smith's revelation to Oliver Cowdery. Quote, go unto the Lamanites and preach my gospel unto them. And inasmuch as they receive thy teachings, thou shalt cause my church to be established among them. But then he says in the very next sentence, Chris Jensen says, the church, however, failed to win many Lamanite converts. At the same time, LDS beliefs about American Indian heritage were a factor in the tensions between LDS church members and their neighbors in Ohio, Missouri, and Illinois. In other words, 
this idea of corrupting the Native Americans' heritage was harmful, and people were um, raising a critical voice to it, and it contributed to the reason why Mormons were persecuted as they moved from location to location. Chris Jensen then talks about beginning in the 1940s, the church renewed its efforts to reach out to the Native Americans. It opened several Indian missions and placed missionaries on many Indian reservations. The late president, Spencer W. Kimball, who seems like he deeply believed that these things were going to work out okay, and they didn't. Um, it says that uh, Spencer W. Kimball stated, quote, the development, growth, and progress of the Lamanite people are of prime importance to all Mormondom, to the whole church program, to Christianity, unquote. By the way, notice what your church today going forward does. Keep your eyes open and watch. They will obfuscate and deflect and distance themselves from this theology more and more. You already see less and less mentions of Native Americans and the Polynesians and the Mexicans and the South Americans being Lamanites compared to what was said 10 or 20 years ago. It's going to go away because it's not working out in the church's favor. Here's his last sentence in this pair in this section. He says, despite significant efforts to date, American Indians have been unreceptive to the church's unique take on their heritage and have not joined the church in significant numbers. Next, um, that the uh, Native Americans are Israelites. Uh, American Indians are Israelites, scattered descendants of the house of Israel. Specifically, they are descendants of Manasseh, son of Joseph, who was one of the 12 sons of Jacob, Israel. Uh, talks about how the Book of Mormon recounts all of that. Uh, President Kimball uh, restated this fact. He said, quote, my brothers and sisters, you belong to a great race. Your father is Joseph, who was sold into Egypt. Your father was Jacob, the father of 12 sons. When you believe a small minority religious myth that has no evidence or very little evidence to back it up, and almost nobody in the world accepts your story is true, except for less than 0.1% if we base it on active members of the LDS church, 0.1%, less than that, probably closer to about 0 0.6, 0 0.7% of the world's population believes in is active in Mormonism. Um, when you allow that small of a minority with a view that has no real evidence to impose on nations of people who they are, you are screwing up. You are hurting people and you are um, creating discrepancies in their cultural heritage that will have major waves uh, and impact those uh, groups of people going forward. Here's the next thing. Hebrew, the origin of the Indian language. At the start of the Book of Mormon, Nephi described the writing system of his people as a combination of the learning of the Jews and the language of the Egyptians. A thousand years later, at the end of the Book of Mormon, his descendant Moroni recorded that his people still spoke Hebrew and that the plates of the Book of Mormon were being written in Reformed Egyptian because it took up less space than Hebrew. So not only do we believe that 
Nephi and Laman and Lemuel and Sam and Lehi, they all come to a geography where the book says there's really nobody there, but the apologist imposed that there was. So if we side with the apologist, then now there are these significant numbers of people and just a small group of Israelites blend in with a large group of Asian people who are now Native Americans. And somehow we're to believe that the uh, language of the small group survives and is used and makes up the Book of Mormon uh, in terms of being the Reformed Egyptian. Um, and that I'm trying to see how I can explain this, that this large group of people wouldn't have crushed the language of this small group of people as they assimilated in is absurd. Um, when you have a small group of 10 people intermixing with a large group of thousands, the group of thousands isn't going to cave in to the small group's culture. Instead, the small group's culture is going to have to cave into the large group they're assimilating with. My point being is that whatever conclusion you take to try to make your faithful view work, you're constantly being countered with logical, rational criticisms that you have to create loopholes for in order to explain. They get here to the DNA. Relatively recent DNA analysis indicates that American Indians actually originate from Asia, not the Middle East. This forced the church to change its position. Its current position is found in the gospel topic essay on the subject, that it's impossible to know the truth about the origin of the Native Americans given certain science. Nothing is known about the DNA of Book of Mormon peoples, even if their genetic profiles were known. There are sound scientific reasons that it might remain undetected. For these same reasons, arguments that some defenders of the Book of Mormon make based on DNA studies are also speculative. In short, DNA studies cannot be used decisively to either affirm or reject the historical authenticity of the Book of Mormon. In other words, it's always an act of faith. It doesn't matter what the evidence says. It doesn't matter how strong the evidence is against it. There's always a way. There's always room for faith. Recognize that that sort of argumentation is used inside of other high-demand fundamentalist religions, such as the Jehovah's Witnesses, Scientology, Seventh-day Adventist, and others. We talked about the uh, 1981 in previous editions of the scriptures, uh, the principal ancestors of the American Indians, and then in 2006, among the ancestors of the American Indians. Um. Cursed with a dark skin in the Book of Mormon because of the wickedness of the Lamanites, they were separated from the righteous Nephites and cursed with a skin of blackness so they would not be enticing to the Nephites, but rather loathsome. We understand pigmentation of skin. Science tells us that. The idea that there were a bunch of white Native Americans and suddenly half of them are unrighteous and they are struck with a curse and now have a darker skin makes zero sense. To the point where certain apologists, such as Brant Gardner, tries to make the argument that black skin doesn't mean black skin, it just means unrighteousness. 
But when you read the Book of Mormon trying to make that work in each of the times that it, black skin is mentioned or dark skin is mentioned, it doesn't work. It just doesn't. Again, I would give it to you. Go read the Book of Mormon and try to use unrighteousness every time dark or black skin is mentioned. Um, the other problem is some apologists have come in and gone, look, man, these Asians were already here. They've got dark skin. All that's being said in the Book of Mormon is that as uh, white Lamanite, as white Nephite Lamanite people are uh, marrying into the Asian culture and hence, obviously, stepping away from their uh, gospel beliefs, they obviously, their children are going to take on a shared color of the parents, meaning that they will have naturally a darker skin. Now, go back in the Book of Mormon and read into the story that apologetic argument. It also doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. Um, again, we're not going to have time in these conversations for you to do that, but by all means, go to LDS.org, do a scripture chase for uh, dark skin, curse skin, curse, color, skin, whatever, and then try to put these ideas into actual play it becomes absurd, but it's the games we play when we want our beliefs to be true, but the data at every turn seems to run counter to those. Um, it's also, um, also needs to be noted, obviously we're back to the DNA. The DNA does not match up with what we need it to be. So at every turn, we're coming up with excuses. And then uh, here it says, we can read about this curse elsewhere in the Book of Mormon. And the skins of the Lamanites were dark according to the mark which was set upon their fathers, um, which was a curse upon them because of their transgression and their rebellion against their brethren. At other times in the Book of Mormon, righteous Lamanites join with the Nephites. The, the accursed dark skin is removed and they become white again. That also makes no sense um, in light of how quickly the book says that happened. It, it talks about basically a person joins the church and they went from light skin or dark skin to light skin. And if they left the church and uh, went out, then they went from light skin to dark skin. Um, talks about how they'll prosper again. The Native Americans will prosper again. Again, use your logic and common sense. Doesn't it seem more uh, rational to believe that human beings on planet Earth will continue to intermix and that our ability to discern one group of people from another will become less and less viable and hence some future moment where the Lamanites who we don't know who they are, we can't find them, but somehow they will prosper again and inherit the land again. Um, again, it makes no sense. They will become white. We talked about President Kimball and his multiple occasions of thinking they would become lighter. He didn't make that up in a vacuum. He read the Book of Mormon and he believed it. And, and he, um, he then went forth perpetuating the nonsense that was in there. Uh, talks about how they populated, the, the Lamanites populated the Pacific Islands. Again, the church has a record of imposing that every tan-skinned human being 
on this side of the globe is in part a Lamanite. Um, this is because of a common view, not official doctrine in the church, that Polynesians have ancestral connections with the Book of Mormon, and that, and that at least some of the inhabitants of these islands sailed there from the Americas in Book of Mormon times. They are thus descendants of Hebrew, of the Hebrew family of, Le of Lehi, chosen Israelites and relatives of the American Indian. And then Chris says, this is contrary to the prevailing scientific view of a west to east migratory movement to the Pacific Islands from Southeast Asia. Um, many people believed Haggith in 54 BC in the Book of Mormon, a Nephite shipbuilder. The story has him sailing away. And so many leaders believe that he landed on the islands and he is how uh, the Polynesian saints became. Um, for instance, it says here, the Polynesian saints are characterized by a tremendous faith. Why do they have this great faith? It is because these people are the blood of Israel. Excuse me. Blood of Israel. They are heirs to the promises of the Book of Mormon. God is now awakening them to their great destiny. As Latter-day Saints, we have always believed that Polynesians are descendants of Lehi and blood relatives of the American Indians, despite the contrary theories of other men. That is late apostle Marky e. Peterson, General Conference Talk, New Evidence for the Book of Mormon, Improvement Era, June 1962. Good luck finding that. The church has made it very difficult to find any General Conference Talks from 1970 and earlier. Um, but President, or, but uh, Marky e. Peterson imposes. As Latter-day Saints, we have always believed that Polynesians are descendants of Lehi. And then um, Joseph F. Smith. Uh, this is, uh, it says here, I would like to say to you, brethren and sisters from New Zealand, you are some of Haggith's people, and there is no perhaps about it. Um, and that's a quote about from the, let me, I want to say this right. Give me one second. This is President Kimball speaking and then in part quoting Joseph F. Smith. I would like to say to you, brethren and sisters from New Zealand, you are some of Haggith's people and there is no perhaps about it. Quoting the late President Joseph F. Smith, he didn't want any arguments about it. That was definite. So you are of Israel. You have been scattered you are now being gathered. Again, they're not joining the church. They're not being gathered. And little by little, they're intermixing with other cultures too. The, the theology that we have hinged on because it's in the Book of Mormon doesn't hold up. And that's the very end of, uh, of that chapter. Um, that last quote I read was from the official report of the Samoa Area Conference. Pago Pago in Apia, Samoa, 1976. Also see of royal blood, Enzyme, July 1971. In 1920, a prayer offered at the dedication of the Hawaii Temple in which the late President Heber J. Grant referred to the descendants of Lehi in Hawaii. These are prophets, seers, and revelators. And as we will see as we get into a hundred other issues, that every time we dive into an issue and really take what's being said seriously, 
we find conundrums, complications, and contradictions that we can't explain. Folks, if you're enjoying this series, please drop us a donation. Just a couple of bucks will be great. Set up a recurring donation of $5 a month. Go to mdpodcast.org. You can find our umbrella at mormondiscussions.org. And you can find all of our podcast episodes at mormondiscussionpodcast.org. Have a great day, and I hope you're enjoying the series.